I had sort of created this phantom pregnancy, which I didn't even know existed and I knew nothing about at the time because I had been holding on so tight with my energy of like, of not wanting it to be true that he couldn't have children or that we couldn't have children together. And, you know, it's so interesting, mind-body connection. Like it's just, it's just all one, you know, you're so, your body's so receptive to what you're holding on to or what you're thinking and feeling. Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, well-being, kids and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by. Hosted by myself, Kate Gadinsky, and my co-host, Sophie Panton. Take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common. We are back and I can safely say that I no longer have 35 Kates in my ears or however many Kates I said I could hear last week. So, going to give your husband a special shout out for helping you fix it. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? He was up here trying to navigate through all the settings for us, but I actually think, hang on, did I fix it or did he fix it? Look, let's give him the credit. <laughs> credit where credit's due. Yeah. Let's be fair. What's got, wait, can you hold on two secs while I get my cup of tea? Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, priorities. You know, eating and drinking on a podcast is just really the right thing to do, babe. Well, look, I'll step away from the <laughs> mic when slurping. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I do it all the time. What's happening? Well, you know, a lot and nothing. Oh, I know how you feel. I know and that how feeling. how it is these days. But I think like probably one of the things that we've got in common this week actually is the fact that my partner Aiden's been home from work recently. He's had the last few weeks off work being in the construction industry if you are a Victorian a fellow Victorian like us then you will know exactly what we're talking about but that whole industry got shut down recently and I mean it's been a little bit concerning you know when you get stood down from your job it's never exactly the best thing in the world but we've been looking at it like we've been trying to look at it like a bit of a holiday. Oh, how nice a holiday mid COVID lockdown. A holiday that at just home. sounds like amazing. <laughs> no, but it is. It's a nice change of scenery for both of you because you're normally at home. Yeah. And it will pretty much six days a week. Yeah. By yourself with honey. And now Aiden's home with you as well. So it's such a nice change of pace yeah. for you both. And I was just thinking about you this morning because, like, that's how it's been for you guys. You've been at home all this time. And I was like, hmm. 18 months. That's what we've got in common at the moment. We get to, um, both all live in under the same roof with our whole families, which I have to say, yeah, like I said, because we've been looking at it like a holiday and it's only been a few weeks. So yeah, it's been really nice. Like it's been just a little bit of a relief to have some help with and some support with Honey and just not have to do all the things every day with for her. Aiden's really stepped up and, you know, takes so much on board to do with her. And yeah, it's just been a nice relief. But I mean, do you enjoy it? that you guys have been at home? Well, it's worked so well for us, I think. As you, as you said, like the past 18 months, Mackie's been at home. He hasn't gone back into the office since the pandemic began, which has been amazing for me, especially this year, you know, with Nina starting prep and Lulu still not in kindergarten yet. So having them both at home full-time, trying to homeschool as well as juggle Lulu it's been amazing to have that extra set of hands 24-7 and he's a really hands-on dad, so it's amazing. We can both sort of divide and conquer, <laughs> focus on one child at a time, especially, yes, as I mentioned, when we're homeschooling. So it is nice to have that time together. I do feel lucky. Mm, you don't get sick of each and other? I really hope he doesn't ever have to go back to the office and he can work from home forever. I mean, you look, we all have our days and – we both do have certain things that we like to be able to go off and do independently. So that, you know. That's probably super important. you got to allow yeah. each other the time, like, to do your own thing. Especially when you're in a lockdown and you're all at home 24 hours a day. Yeah, it's pretty easy It to, can get pretty hmm. full-on cabin fever. Yeah, yeah, all living under the same roof, trying to, yeah, go about your lives, whatever it is, you know, working and parenting and all the rest of it like it's a lot it's a lot to be around the same people every second of every day (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway, <laughs> COVID talk, hey? Uh, do you reckon we'll ever get to a point where we don't talk about it anymore? No. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, I'm God. not feeling that positive right now, I'm just going to say. Let's make a special effort. What else has been going on? Thank God on? I did my um, breathing exercises. Yes, I'm still on board this morning to give me a little bit of like... <gasps> Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, your Wim Hof breathing. Yeah, we talked about my that Wim in the Hof last breathing. Episode. You've still been doing that. Good girl. I have been. been. Look, I have missed effect? a couple of days. Absolutely, and I find that I'm getting I'm getting better at it, and I feel like I'm getting more out of it. That's cool. And I've implemented the cold showers now too, and I can see how the two really kind of go hand in hand. Oh, nice. Good to hear you've been keeping it up. And I literally squeal still through the whole cold shower. <laughs> Oh, it's not fun, but feels great. Feels amazing. Oh, it does feel good. Tell me, have you been meditating? Because our guest that we speak to today, Steph Mack, gorgeous Stephanie Mack, she kind of got us really inspired with meditating because she's a meditator, isn't she? Have you been? What's your meditating journey been like lately? Ah, oh, my journey. <laughs> Tell me, well, darling. It's funny that you mentioned that actually because. You know, a few months ago, not long after my father passed away, I was speaking to Steph and, you know, Steph is a really old friend of mine from, you know, I've known her for years and years. And she actually asked me at the time, you know, do you meditate? And I said, oh, I, I used to. I said, but I've completely lost track of it. I'm not doing it at all. And I said to her, honestly, like the thought of just sitting still twice a day for 20 minutes kind of freaks me out because my mind was and sort of still is so all over the place that I was almost a bit scared to just sit with my thoughts but she really encouraged me you know she said you know maybe now it's a good time to just get back into it slowly you know give yourself that time to just just be like try and be a little bit more this is what I took from it you know a little bit more mindful and even if I start off doing five minutes a day or 10 minutes and it's a guided meditation you know just start small and see how you go and I you know I really appreciated that advice when she gave it to me and I did actually start and I have kind of gone through phases over the past couple of months where I've done you know two weeks in a row and then I haven't done it at all for two weeks. Well that's a nice way to look at it I think like and it is great advice that she's given you because those things can seem much bigger until you just actually sit down and give it a go or you know look at it in a different perspective and I think, you know, any sort of mindfulness exercise or, you know, self-practice exercise, it needs – you need to be kind to yourself. You need to be open-minded. You need to be accepting of how you're feeling on a day-to-day basis and, yeah, where your head's at, where your physical body's at. And I think just like doing it, you know, taking that step to just give it a go is always the most rewarding part of it. Well, I always feel better after I do do it. And well, that's I thing, think the thing it? is – You always feel better. Well, often I wake up and my mind is already wandering and going crazy anyway. It's like I might as well just listen to a meditation mm. and Give it see a go. how I go. And I, you know, always feel better afterwards. So thanks for the tip, Steph. Yeah, good to hear. So what about you? What's happening in your world? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, sort of following on from what we talked about last episode as well. Yeah, I've still kind of been trying to continue on that path as well of just trying to put some focus and energy onto looking after myself, like what else have we got to do? (laughs) So, yeah, for me it's about just taking that step to do the things that I always tell myself that I'm going to do as well. And, you know, for all the other mums and dads out there, you you know, you will know that it's hard to get that time in your day to have to yourself. And so – That's the other thing, right? (laughs) Yeah. So for me, like the the absolute key to starting my day off – right is getting up before honey gets up and allowing myself like a good hour or you know however long it even ends up being just to fully nurture myself and whether you know for everyone that might look different whether it's just having a cup of tea whether it's just eat you know having breakfast on your own whether it's getting the housework done whatever it is that makes you feel like you're setting yourself up for a good day that is the absolute key so I've been really trying to do that in the last couple of weeks just you know get out of bed because you always feel better once you do it even though you want to lie there and snooze your alarm (laughs) and stay in there stay in the you know warm and cozy bed but I've also been getting back into 
drinking this ceremonial grade cacao lately and this was something that I got into when I was pregnant and it's a really old ritual but something that I've discovered like sort of recently or you know when I say recently when I was pregnant with honey but yeah it's a really old ritual like a centuries old ritual that's meant to be really heart opening and I find that it's a really nice morning ritual for me the cacao is also like packed with um, vitamins and minerals and so good for you yeah it's meant to be really good for like increasing blood flow to your brain which helps you focus so it's a really great way to start the day And it gives you like a bit of a buzz, like a bit like coffee, but it stimulates the cardiovascular system, unlike caffeine from coffee, which stimulates your nervous system, which is kind of what gives you sometimes that bit of like edgy jitteriness that you get from caffeine. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love coffee as well. I'm so obsessed with my two coffees in the morning. Like I just, I can't even, the thought of giving it up. Like freaks me out. I haven't given it up. I've just been adding this in and then trying to push back my coffee to a little bit later in the day because there's something about the way caffeine affects you as well if you have it first thing in the morning. I'm like, don't talk to me before I have my coffee. I love it. I go to bed thinking about oh my, my morning God, coffee. We've talked about that before, like last haven't night, we? Like last night. Go to bed dreaming about we went the morning to bed, coffee. Because Mackie makes a an epic coffee we have a really good coffee machine but he's much better at using it than I am and he actually said I can't wait to make you the best coffee in the world I "I am so excited (laughs) and I literally wake up and often I'll get up and I'll like turn the machine on because it needs a while to heat up and I'll come back and I'll be like the coffee machine's on morning as in hint hint get up and make my coffee what was that thing you were talking about recently that like you can set it to automatically smell like like (gasps) what does it do (gasps) It's an alarm, like it's like an alarm clock, but it's also a coffee machine. So you have it in your bedroom and like you literally will wake up to the smell of freshly ground coffee and the coffee dripping into the, you know, into the carpet. The whole process of coffee is heavenly, isn't it? The grinding, the smell, the, yeah, whatever style you use, it's amazing. So, yeah, anyway, that's kind of where I've been at, I think, like, you know, yay to you and I for looking after ourselves and, or, you know, trying to at least. Yeah. Like you said before as well, thanks to Steph for giving us a little inspiration to do that too. Cause she's, yeah, she's, um, lives a very healthy lifestyle and a very mindful lifestyle. And it was great learning about, learning about that. And one other thing, as you did say though, before that, I think the key to, making yourself feel good and starting your day off right is getting up early and prioritizing yourself first thing in the morning because it is a good feeling when when it does happen and I have to say I do try but often I get you know just as I'm like tiptoeing down I'll hear a little pitter patter and Lulu will come like morning mummy join me morning darling (laughs) nearly did that meditation nearly had that quiet coffee but when you do get it in like it is awesome so I think I need to just start setting my yeah, it's alarm. it's not always achievable. And now Lulu's not in her cot. She can just get herself up and pitter-patter down the hallway. Honey's obviously still in a cot. And also I'm lucky like Honey's sleeping in well at the moment. Like she sleeps in till at least 7.30 every morning. Don't come at me mums oh, so that, good. Babies, that your babies aren't so sleeping. Good. It's just a lucky <laughs> stage. It's not always like that. <laughs> well, as mentioned, we did recently catch up with a very old friend of mine, Stephanie McIntosh. So Steph was Australian raised and born, but has now been living in LA for the past few years. Whilst living abroad, she's given birth to two beautiful girls, Miller and Goldie, with her partner, Pete. We'll be talking to her all about motherhood and her approach to raising kids, finding her partner and falling in love. How good was that story? Her LA lifestyle, health and well-being, as well as her career as an actress and singer. Steph is just an all-round, down-to-earth, beautiful lady, Enough of me talking about Steph. Let's hear what she had to say. Here she is. Steph, welcome to Talking in Common. How are you? Hi, girls. I'm so well, thanks. It's so good to see your beautiful faces. So lovely to see your beautiful face, especially (laughs) it's been so long since we've connected after so many years and we're just so looking forward to hearing all about your life in LA and your family and your motherhood journey with your beautiful girls, Miller and Goldie. Yes, I know. I'm, I'm a mum. I'm still sometimes like, 
Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm responsible for two little beings. Yeah, seriously. We are just saying before it's been like a good 15 plus years since I've seen you, Steph. I know, and neither of you have like aged a day. Yeah. <laughs> neither, neither of you. Neither of you. You look exactly the same. You look beautiful. So we want to jump into it. There is one question that we like to ask all our guests, Steph, which is what did you want to be growing up? I'm very fortunate. I wanted to be what I was able to be, which was a singer and actress. It was always in the blood. The dream version of what I wanted to be was a tennis player, a Grand Slam tennis player that didn't ever quite take off. But, you know, I'm still competitive, stupidly competitive with that <laughs> when it's, you know, just casual with friends. But, yeah, I mean, I had the bug, so to speak, from the get-go. And I don't know what comes first. Is it the natural child ambition that, you know, you have first or is it, my older sisters put me into dance classes at the age of three and mum's a former newsreader, ABC newsreader in Australia. My dad's producer and director. Jason, my brother's a singer and actor. It's in your blood. My sisters are in the business, yes. So it's been in the blood from the get-go. Sounds like you had no choice. <laughs> yeah, maybe that too, exactly. <laughs> Although I definitely had that with mum and dad where they're like, you know, sitting me down to prep me to be the lawyer, you know, try and take the lawyer route. But it was... The school musicals, actually, at Merton Hall, the school that the three of us all went to, where that, that all really came out for me. And even though it's school only, it really gave me that opportunity to, like, explore the craft and explore musicals and explore singing in front of an audience and and really put myself up at those roles. And I knew straight away, you know, even as amateur as it sounds or as long ago as it sounds, like just doing those plays and musicals from grade five onwards was just like everything for me and then mum and dad sort of witnessed that and that was kind of for them then they got behind it and realized how how much the passion was just inside of me. So you were born and raised in Australia but you now live in LA what sort of drove you to make this move to LA? For the acting career it seems to be sort of the place to come when you want to expand and so yeah I grew up in Melbourne Australia and had such a great run with the career in Melbourne and Australia. And then it just sort of felt like the next move. Well, actually, then I moved to London for a bit. Oh, okay. So that was really cool, although that didn't sort of work out for other reasons, which we can dive into. But then I just sort of reassessed everything and thought, you know what, LA is sort of the city of, you know, Lost Angels and La La Land and and where all this sort of the adventure gets bigger and the experiences are grander and sort of that, you know, that Hollywood dream, I guess. So, yeah, it just was the the inevitable, I think. So did you set off on your own? You said you went sort of via London, but what was it like moving to such a big city like LA on your own if you were? It's probably good I was quite green because I, I sort of came here mm. not knowing the difficulties I was probably going to dive into. But I did come alone. I can't believe it. I mean... Yeah, scary. Yeah, Mum and Dad are still sitting there, you know, worrying about me however many years on. But. And you had your beautiful puppy, but you got a puppy when you moved to LA, I remember. I did. I love that you remember that. Yes, yeah, so he's been my main man until Petey came along. Have you still got him? I do. Oh. He he actually was kind of the anchor that I had here and I rescued him at my friend Adrian's house. They were having a dinner and basically this puppy was, well, actually it's a horrific story, so I won't go into the details before, but he was chained and not being looked after and this little girl brought him to the dinner because the houses were close and everyone's like come and see this baby you know oh my god so cute and I was like oh so cute and you know I've just moved here haven't even got the visa like (laughs) I can't take this dog and then you know cut to the next day no one would take him and it was just me and him just staring at each other on you know streets of Hollywood and I was really scared to tell my parents weirdly it was meant to be he was like my little man but um and my, just my comfort, you know, that thing, that heartbeat to come home to, that responsibility, mm. which was really great. And he's still here and been a part of the ride. Mm, absolutely. In a big city on your own, it could be frightening, I'd imagine. They are great companions, dogs, I have to say. So, Steph, can we talk a little bit about mum life? Yeah, please. You've got two beautiful girls, Miller, who's six, and Goldie, who's two. Mm-hmm. But we'd love to know a little bit about your story with Pete your baby daddy and your partner, (laughs) how you guys met. So Pete's an Australian as well and we, of course, had to cross the globe to meet. Yeah, funny that. I know, it's bizarre, isn't it? So he had had his own business here in Los Angeles and had 
his time on his own and I had my own, you know, few years alone too before we met. And then he's a landscape designer and he actually did a garden of a restaurant I love called The Everly on Sunset Boulevard and it's a bit of an Aussie hangout it's owned by Australians and really lovely place. Anyway, he did the garden at the front, which is quite rare in LA. It's not like Melbourne where you sort of have the patio or something. It's quite different. And so to have those, well, maybe now, not so much, but back then, eight, nearly eight years ago, it was sort of a, a new thing. And so he did this garden and I loved it. And anyway, my sister was coming to LA to visit me and Pete and Catherine had a mutual friend flying in and he arranged a dinner. I was kind of dragging my heels to this dinner because I was moving house and my sister had just landed and anyway of course I went against the resistance and that was probably the best thing I ever did and Pete sat to my left and the rest is history. Oh wow what a story. (laughs) I love that you met an Aussie across the globe. It's funny how we find each other. I know (laughs) so sweet so yeah we met at that dinner and then hit it off and we actually had a very speedy sort of process but in an untraditional way so to speak with having our babies so he didn't think he had sort of confided in me as we're now falling in love in the first sort of month or two that he doesn't know if he can actually have children and you know that's a non-negotiable for me that that was something that I just felt like I it was a lot to sort of take on with this guy that I'd fallen in love with or was falling in love with and to sort of hear that I, I, I went into a bit of a you know, just a a confused space because suddenly I'm confronted with something that I want more than anything. I was that kid at the restaurant when I was 12 asking strangers to hold their baby. Like I was, I was, you know, I've always been so lucky. It's ridiculous. Oh, they were definitely my future for sure. So that was really quite an interesting curveball for us. And I also pay the power of serenity because, um, So, you know, we're dating and I process the news and it takes us a little bit of time to sort of sit in that. And obviously the option is, you know, I'm so sorry, this isn't for me or, okay, I surrender and we're going to do this. And so obviously I jumped in with Petey and I just was ready for whatever process was going to come our way maybe. So it turns out that we then went to this restaurant in Hollywood, a Thai restaurant that we'd never been to together. I thought I had sort of created this phantom pregnancy, which I didn't even know existed and I knew nothing about at the time because I had been holding on so tight with my energy of like of not wanting it to be true that he couldn't have children or that we couldn't have children together. And, you know, it's so interesting, mind-body connection, like it's just it's just all one. You know, you're so your body's so receptive to what you're holding on to or what you're thinking and feeling. And anyway, cut to we went to this restaurant, I sat with him and I said to him, you know, I'm late. I I think this is really strange, but I, I'm really confused. Like I'm nearly 10 days late. I, I'm feeling weird. Like my symptoms were kicking in that I thought I was. Oh God. So surreal and bizarre. I can't even begin to tell you. And this beautiful moment happened where Pete walked into the men's toilet there. There was this plaque above the sink. And the only plaque in this Thai restaurant was literally, it says, the next girl you'll ever love will be your daughter. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, my God, That's I just a, got um, so did goosebumps. I. You, you fully just gave me goosebumps, Steph. And you were pregnant with your daughter? Clearly. I'm, I'm assuming I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> well, we know she's got two daughters. <laughs> but how long were you dating at this stage? Oh, so we were early. So we were five or six months in. Can you believe <gasps> that? Wow. Wow. So oh, my gosh. How did that impact your kind of new relationship because it was still six months is still fairly new yes so early I'll tell you so just to let you know I wasn't actually pregnant in this moment so he sees the sign okay I jumped ahead too quickly (laughs) yeah so it actually literally was like this phantom pregnancy I had sort of created these symptoms mentally because I'd been holding on so long in so tight so cut to I am not pregnant and we're both a little devastated which was interesting because as you say we're only six months in it was a really It was a really interesting space to be in so early on because I guess it was something that we both wanted. So we were willing to just let it be what it was if that's what it was, you know, because we thought we were up against the odds. And so, Mm. yeah, so then I'm not. It was really powerful because it made me then have to take a step back and just accept everything that was and really fully and authentically surrender to the situation at present that we may be on a journey of, 
years to come. And so I swear to you, I, I let go. I actually wrote a letter to like Pete or to the universe, whatever you want to call it, and just fully surrendered. And I've never, never really done it so like so well ever again. I need to, I need to work on the serenity part, but um, it was amazing. And then cut to next month and four pregnancy tests later, I actually genuinely was pregnant with Miller, our first daughter. Wow. So perhaps it was just part of the whole manifestation process, this like phantom pregnancy that you've called it, you know? Yeah. I still don't really know what all of it was, but it was really powerful and Miller was, you know, created. Mm. And we just had this un sort of traditional story that we're still not actually married, but our babies came first and Miller came first and she's so meant to be here and you know, she's six and a half and got us wrapped around her finger and the serenity worked or the magic, whatever it was, it was powerful. It worked. How was your introduction to motherhood or how was your pregnancy first with Miller and then your birth as well? My pregnancy, I was, you know, I always envisioned and had hoped because I was always so maternal that I would be that, you know, barefoot mother running (laughs) through the fields. (laughs) <laughs> enjoying every second of, of pregnancy and I yeah I just I didn't enjoy that a lot because I was so unwell I was one of the mums that just I was vomiting endlessly I was nauseous constantly it felt like I was on a boat you know honestly for eight months eight months I truly was so sick for most of the pregnancy and then I was with Goldie as well so it wasn't a dream pregnancy, but it was a really safe and beautiful birth. Again, though, I sort of thought I was going to be that hippie mama who had, you know, natural births and maybe, you know, the home birth you sort of visualise every now and then as, as a woman growing up. And I always thought I'd sort of be that. <laughs> and then, of course, like childbirth, it just doesn't go to plan. I've sort of always said to friends now, my advice would be just not to plan, like just lean in and see where the process takes you and be open to however your baby gets here safely and all healthy. So I ended up having a C-section because she was breech. So she she hadn't turned around yet. And that was interesting because then I went through this process two weeks before her due date. OB said, let's try and turn her. And I had never heard of this. And so you go into the hospital and you sort of mentally think the baby could come today. You know, you don't know really what's going to happen. And they physically turn your tummy from the outside to try and actually twist and push the baby and mm, I've heard it's painful? excruciating. I felt really beaten oh, up. God. Like I felt yeah. it was really bizarre because then you feel pained by it and physically exhausted and then Miller didn't even flip or turn an inch. She stayed right, you know, right where she was. She stayed put. She's like, no, mum. Is she a stubborn personality, Steph? Yeah, there's definitely like it's on Miller's, it's <laughs> Miller's time yeah. for sure, yep. So it is interesting, isn't it? She just was like, yeah, no, I'm not having it today, folks. And so put mama through the ringer. And it was really bizarre because that day I went home and Pete and I went home with no baby and hadn't turned. And yet you sort of feel like you've been through the wars and you're expecting something to happen, but it didn't. And that's okay. And then two weeks later, we scheduled the C-section and and had the C-section at Cedars-Sinai and Beverly Hills so you know as long as she came out safe and healthy that's all that matters it's so cliche but it's so true right Mm. did you feel that positively about it at the time after your experience like you saying you had expectations of how you thought it would be and it didn't end up going like that and you're obviously very positive about it now because you've got your two beautiful children but were you disappointed at the time or disheartened such a great question I think I probably had more of a delayed reaction to it that I had hoped it was maybe one way. But, you know, throughout the whole pregnancy, I was obviously just so grateful and and also I was so mm. sick that I was I was happy that she came out just that we had a great birth. But there was definitely a moment of just feeling sort of like, oh, I haven't experienced what Mother Nature planned or what she how she created it for us. But I'm also it's just grateful that there was the medical team that can do something like that and still get your baby out, you know. And mm. also we had been told that she was breached for so long now leading up to the sort of birth date that I was able to sort of accept and, and just trust what was meant to happen was meant to happen. Yeah. I just asked because Kate and I have been talking a bit lately about birth expectations and how that really affects people postnatally, you know, with potentially postnatal depression or just feeling that they didn't, their body didn't, 
provide how that should have and, you know, women coming out of it feeling really disappointed when it's such an incredible process. Exactly. And I definitely have had moments, many moments in fact, where I, I'm super curious. Like I'd love to know what yeah. vaginal birth is like because I've now had two C-sections. There is definitely a part of me that wonders and would be hopeful to understand it and know it because I I would love to have that natural experience. But I also, I guess, part of who I am is also, yeah, this practicing acceptance and just practicing what the situation is and, and sort of taking it for what it is. And mm. there was no other way because it didn't happen any other way. You know, that was yeah. the only way it happened. So such a good way to look at it, positive mindset. Yeah, well, try. You try, right? <laughs> I think you mentioned that you had your mum with you at your birth to me a while ago, which Soph and I both had our mums with us at our births as well. Was that something that was sort of important to you to have mum there? Yeah, it was lovely having mum there. Mum hadn't flown over much to LA, so it was, yeah, she came for Miller's birth, the first birth. Yeah, she had a ball being there and was, yeah, so happy to be by my side. But because of the C-section you're having surgery. So obviously only Pete could be in the room with me. And then mum was eagerly awaiting in the recovery room with her friend Olivia. So they were both there beaming and very excited. And Olivia was a great support for mum and holding her hand tight and just able to be there for her while she's being there for me. So it was really beautiful. I also had my um, Pete's parents flying as well. Oh, that's so nice. You had so much support with you for that early stage. How did you sort of find that transition the next few weeks or months with this new role of being a mum? It's nuts, isn't it? I mean, it's all just... It's a good way to so, put it. <laughs> you just don't know what to expect and you hear things. And, you know, thankfully, I do feel like I had a little leg up because I have babysat so much. And, you know, I've nannied and babysat a lot. It's always been my other job when I'm not working professionally as a singer actress and sort of to fill in the gaps and I grew up babysitting and nannying as I said I've always had that sort of maternal instinct and strong connection the crazy kid at the restaurant asking for cuddles with babies like it's just it definitely came naturally to me and so I wasn't too shocked by those sort of day-to-day things but I think you just your heart expands you just can't believe the love that comes trickling in I was really blessed that I didn't have any postpartum or anything I just sort of went straight into it I think quite you know I was excited and and it sort of seemed quite at ease for me probably because of all the nanny experience but yeah you know no one ever prepares you for the 24-7 thing and you can't really be prepared for that until you're Mm. in it right we were recently sort of saying Soph and I were talking about how in those early kind of few weeks or months often you have a lot of support from whether it's friends or family but often that tends to kind of slow down once you're past maybe six months or once you're past a year. But actually as mums, we feel so depleted and so exhausted. Even when we've got kids that are six, two, one and a half, like you still really need that kind of mental support and that, I guess, hands-on support as well beyond the early few months. Yeah, so I think for me it was a different experience being overseas, being in Los Angeles, which of course is a choice for Pete and I, but you know, mum was here for 10 days, my in-laws were here for a week and then they're gone. So to be honest, from the get-go for me, I didn't know anything else but to be on my own. I didn't have, and Los Angeles is such a, such a wide city of so many people and often they're usually here for career. So it's quite different in comparison to something like probably having had my children in Melbourne, where you do have that sort of close proximity, the family on the ground, my in-laws, you know, two hours away on a plane. I think I don't know probably a lot of what you're saying because all I know is that it was just Pete and I and our baby and Pete would then go Mm. to work and I was left with Miller. So I wouldn't change it for anything, even though, of course, I would love that physical support and, you know, family and friends to be here. But because it's all I know, I also sort of just did what I had to do and you just sort of, you know, you have to adapt to the situation you're in. And, of course, we have beautiful emotional support across the phones and FaceTime and stuff. But And maybe it was a beautiful thing too that, you know, it actually just got to be me and Miller initially and and then you sort of grow with that and grow with each other and then 
you know, the extra sort of friendship support comes in and trickles in in LA or it's a bit probably a bit more fickle here just because mm. not everyone's in the same stage at the same time. Like, you know, I wasn't surrounded by a lot of mummy friends at the time with Miller, probably definitely a lot more now being with Goldie. And maybe you guys can relate to that too with, you know, once you've had the first and second, yeah. I know, Sophie, you're still with one Bubba and Kate, you've got the two and people, everyone's having babies at different times. But, yeah, I, I think like anything I'm split, like I crave that family member and, and the help and the extra support. And then at the same time, all I've known is Pete and I and the girls. So it's kind of a, it's a, an interesting balance. So was little Goldie part of your plan pretty quickly after Miller? She was and she wasn't. She actually didn't come for nearly four years later. So we definitely knew we wanted to give Miller a sibling at some point. But, you know, unlike Miller, who was here in six months, Goldie took three years in the making, so to speak. <laughs> so it is interesting what happened and, you know, what your bodies are ready for and what they're not. We actually had a miscarriage before Goldie was born and so that was a really interesting process because obviously when you're in that situation, it's unexpected. You know, you don't know that it's going to happen until it happens. Sorry to hear that, Steph. Oh, thanks, girls. Um, you know, I'm, I'm okay because, and maybe it's because I have Goldie, but if I definitely reflect in that time, it was... I actually miscarried between Nina and Lulu as well. So the same timing, yeah. So it was definitely... Um, a very tribal experience. Yeah. My body sort of let go of it all on its own, which was, yeah, oh, my gosh, so hectic and so painful. But I also feel so grateful that my body could do that and did it the way it was meant to and did it well. And and then, you know, I didn't know what was going to come after that and how long the process was going to be. And, um, yeah, in those few months after, you're not sort of sure what you're sort of feeling and what's right or, you know, what's going to come next. And then we were, you know, blessed that it was only a few months later that little Goldie was conceived and we were pregnant and, yeah, and then obviously a really healthy birth again. And and I was parallel to Miller once again, had eight months of hardcore illness, vomiting. Pregnancy was unkind to you. No, my body really is really, uh, really takes it all on. It's really interesting. I'm just seeing two little... Cheeky monkeys sneaking ice cream out of the freezer right now. Hi, <laughs> hi, 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 girls. Hi, girls. Yeah, so it's all just so interesting to be in in each moment and you know learn and grieve and process all of it and and trust that the plan may not go to plan, but it mm. all comes out the way it's meant to. I think. Mm, absolutely. I was going to ask if you needed to take some you know, emotional space after your experience with miscarriage. But then you said you got pregnant quickly after. It's it's exactly right how sometimes the universe just makes its own plans, doesn't it? Exactly. And I think you have to, and I say this with, with great sensitivity to mamas that are still trying and, and have been through probably many more horrendous situations than I have. But, and again, I, I'm trusting what happened to me because yes, I was so fortunate that Goldie came so fast after that experience, you know, but in those few months in between, I didn't know what was going to happen. And, and when it did happen, mm. it is a loss and it is really a process that you're in with your partner. And, you know, I remember Miller actually got her first time out at her little preschool or her little creche at the time, because it was her, it was her way of, she could feel me sort of mm. stepping back in, in that space and maybe not being as present during those few weeks of, of that whole time where I was having the miscarriage. And so it is really interesting also being a witness to her, you know, and Pete having to step in and and just taking that time for my body to heal and, and exactly what you said, Soph, accepting what Mother Nature had planned and trusting that obviously that wasn't meant to happen. Yeah, and just really, you know, really being grateful for what, had already been, which was Miller, and and then trusting whatever was next. Kids are so absorbent and observing of energy, aren't they? That you can almost sense ah. what's going on without having to explain or say anything. It was amazing. I mean, Miller was so receptive to it without exactly, I didn't obviously explain mm. it to her. Actually, she would sort of say the baby's asleep or something. It was quite interesting and we never told her that I was mm. pregnant. And then with Goldie, she said to me, Pete and I were on a FaceTime phone call and, you know, he was at work, I was at home and I didn't know I was pregnant with Goldie at this stage. And she said to me, 
mummy, there's a baby in there. Wow. There's a baby in there and pointing at my tummy. They say young kids are very in tune with all that kind of stuff. Like they just have this kind of sixth sense they know without even being told. It is. And it's got, you know, it went from like Miller having that moment at school and sort of rebelling and kicking back because mummy wasn't present. And then, you know, cut to like being pregnant and we're not even knowing yet. And she's the one telling us. And Pete and I just, you know, dropped dead when we found out only a week later that I was. And, mm. and then she, she named my belly happiness. the baby happiness lulu keeps asking me every time we see one of our friends that's pregnant she's like mommy is there a baby in your belly and i'm like there is definitely a (gasps) hundred percent not so i don't know if she's tuned into she's just manifesting it there ain't no baby in this belly i can tell you that (laughs) pizza only yeah pizza (laughs) only So 2020 was a big year globally and there was a lot going on in particular in the States with the COVID-19 pandemic hitting hard, the black rights movement, um, the election as well, amongst other social and political turmoil. We're not here to talk about politics or pandemics, don't worry, (laughs) but we are interested to know how it felt and how you navigated through such a big year of uncertainty in a country that wasn't your own and, you know, as well with young children. Yeah, it definitely was a time of unknown and uncertainty. And for me, it's just, it was a priority and still is just to normalise Miller and Goldie's day-to-day and life as much as I could and can and still am. I've always tried to parent with an open dialogue and be quite conversational with my girls. So especially obviously Miller, who's older and more understanding, of course, just that there's things happening. People have got different points of views and feelings on this but just reminding her and teaching her about her immune system and staying healthy in our household and you know that's been more of a sort of a focus for us rather than the negative and the dark stuff I've just sort of kept her understanding that we're going to take care of ourselves and be healthy and focus on drinking lots of water and meditation and sleep and and friendships and fun like I honestly have just truly tried to keep it as normal and as in flow for her as much as possible you know parks still going to the park and play dates and just yeah keeping those days out of any fear or negativity because I don't think that a six-year-old should be taking on the world right now and what's happening and I think our job as mamas is and obviously naturally it's animalistic and it's primal just to want to protect them right and keep them in their world and their creativity and in their happiness as much as we can. And that has definitely been something that I had to learn hard and fast at the start of this pandemic was because after two weeks it became months and now it's obviously over a year. So it's just, yeah, it's something I have definitely tried to focus on. So it's just keeping their their life normal and happy and positive and fearless. Mm. You mentioned before about meditation. Do your girls do meditation? They see me do it. And they know Miller fully understands now that when I say, okay, mum's going to close the door and do 20 minutes, she's like the best big sister in the world. And, of course, it doesn't hurt to bribe occasionally. But um, <laughs> It's all about the bribes, I'm telling you. Oh, I know. Sometimes you've just got to do what you've got to do. E.g., I'm letting them eat ice cream right now in my bedroom just so we can chat. <laughs> So, yeah, you've got to pick your battles, right? But, yeah, she's really quite understanding and in, in tune now with the meditation. Pete and I both do it. We did a transcendental meditation course about, well, Goldie wasn't here, so it must have been at least three years ago now. So it's definitely been a, an incredible tool to have, especially, you know, in hard times. Although in saying that, I probably did let it slip a little bit this past year and it was my non-negotiable sort of for so long and now, thankfully, I'm back in the swing. But, yeah, they both. I don't know if Goldie has a full understanding, but Miller's definitely on board. Even she shows us her meditation poses. And and I'm also really about deep breathing in this household, you know, like just take your deep breaths. Let's just and process what you're feeling and then we can clarify what you're trying to get at or if she's emotional or upset or angry or whatever, we're always about the deep breaths to begin with. So we really want to learn more about your lifestyle in L.A., and, you know, how it may differ from the lifestyle that we know here in Australia and what you might remember. And you mentioned a little bit before about, you know, keeping some normal routine, you know, especially amongst turmoil and uncertainty and things like that. So what does a day look like in the life of Steph and your family? 
Well, we're so fortunate. Obviously, LA's climate is usually very warm most of the year. And I have to admit, when I do come home, I'm always so shocked and I forget. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need like a coat and a jacket and a few sweaters and jumpers and yeah. But I guess due to climate, our days are a lot of beach, Malibu Beach, we're 20 minutes from Malibu Beach, which has always been a staple for us pre-kids and now with the children and, you know, fortunate enough to have a pool and some space in the garden here. So a lot of swimming. I guess I'm drawing from this past year particularly. It's been me and the girls, you know, six days a week, Pete's at work six days a week. And as I said earlier, I'm here out of choice, obviously, but on my own. So it is the girls and I a lot, but we're outdoors mostly. Yes, swimming, ocean, friends. I mean, I I feel like, yes, there's definitely your adventure parks, like you've got your Disneylands and your Universal Studios and there's definitely those greater sort of places and staples that are here in Los Angeles that maybe aren't in Melbourne, but I think it's not sort of like a, it's a once a year thing, you know, it's not. So I sort of feel like there's a lot I'm doing here that I probably would be doing in Melbourne and home and and continuing with, you know, the fresh air and the outdoors, but um. Nothing better than just a day at the beach. Exactly. And we are fortunate that it is. It's just so good. So therapeutic, I find. Exactly. I think that's the Aussie in me anyway. Mm. And Pete, we're beach babies probably from being Australian. And let me tell you, Malibu is great and it definitely hits the spot, but there's no beaches like there are in Australia. I know Melbourne, we're more of a bay kind of city. But yeah, we're, we're definitely lucky in Oz. So I'd say it's probably the, the Aussie tradition of being a beach baby taking the kids is you know how we came to that by being Australian and we're lucky it's not too far and the weather's always sunny so it's good the kids also get that appreciation for the water and the ocean and being outdoors fresh air vitamin D it's it's usually where it's at for us nothing better so what do you miss about Australia what could get you back home pizza shapes (laughs) pizza shapes Pete and I are sort of gypsies at heart We are so open to anything. You know, I was fortunate to come back a year ago for work and that brought us into Melbourne for a couple of months and then we got to go see his family as well. So we definitely are open. We always try and stay committed to being open-minded and ready for the next adventure. And and Australia certainly, there's no door on that. It's all open and we're ready to be wherever we can be and want to be. But right now, though, Pete's business, his business is here and that's where it's at today, but you never know. We're interested to know if having kids has changed your priorities and perspectives on life. And if so, elaborate a little bit for us. Absolutely. It's sort of a given, isn't it, that once this baby and or babies come into your life, that there's a physical, a physical change, of course. There's a new person in your world and just the love and the time and all of the good and bad roll into one. It, it changes everything. It's taught me to be more present, you know. It's taught me to slow down. It's just sort of awakened me, I think, and lit something in me that part of me knew I was yearning and always wanting. But, yeah, you just have no idea how explosive it's going to be in all beautiful ways and messy ways and in every way. But priorities are definitely my children now. You know, that's the bottom line. There's nothing else that comes before it. I love the career thing and I always thought that would be my number one and it's a yearning still but it's got a different meaning now I think and in the same breath because your kids are such a the priority now you also want to then show them that you know you can still have dreams and hopes and inspire them and be a working mama or you know so it's a really interesting balance I think and yeah, I mean, day to day, of course, life is now about them. I'm just a basically full-time butler, yeah. <laughs> let's be honest. And snack preparer. I feel like I'm just never not preparing snacks, like all snack day, bitch. every day. Yes, <laughs> literally. I am a snack bitch too. Literally all I do, all they do is eat. It's a really nice way that you put it, saying that you found it awakening because it really is like being reborn and we explored that a lot in the last season and just talked a lot about that transition and how incredibly life-changing it is. You know, you are reborn as a woman. Exactly. And it is such a transformation as a female and as a person, as a friend, as a daughter, as, as a partner, like you sort of transform in every way to everybody around Mm. you. I'd say most of my friends in Australia are mums. And then here it's sort of scattered and everyone's got 
different things. And so, you know, my best friend doesn't have children here. So that does mean suddenly my priority that used to be her is not her in the same way. And that's even hard because you're having to suddenly balance who you are. You have to navigate through these things with friends sometimes. Yeah, and, and just sort of making sure that you still fit in that quality time that you once had before with them and remember that you are still existing in this space of motherhood. But, yeah, I mean, listen, it's lioness for me and I am happy to take a back seat with myself or with my career or with anything for my girls right now because that's it. I wanted children and I got them and I'm a mother and I'm responsible for them Mm. solely along with Pete and that's it. There's no one else, is there? So, you know, I think it's, again, coming down to acceptance and and embracing that change and embracing the shift in priority and, and I think I was joking with you, Kate, you know, the other day that we're like you sort of still have these out of body moments though where you're like, oh my God, that's right. Yeah. Like I don't have freedom and (laughs) I'm, I'm responsible for these little human beings. Solely responsible a hundred percent for two mini humans. They rely on us for absolutely everything. It's, it's a massive responsibility, but it's incredible. And I feel like, I feel really blessed that I'm, I've been able to have two kids that I can have that responsibility, even though it's can be really hard, but I feel very content. I think I'm the most content I've ever been since having babies. That's so beautiful, Kate. And I hear you. Yeah, I feel the same. And I think there is a part of you that feels like these little people were missing. Like, you know, you just feel like it's so cliche again. I mean, everything, now you understand the cliches, don't you? Like everything, you get why these these things were said before and they're so ingrained now and you understand it, it lands on you and you're like, yeah, I feel like I know these people and I've known these girls and they're just like an extension of me and a limb and and it sort of gives you that reverse appreciation of what our parents had felt when you're getting frustrated or have those conflict moments as an adult or whatever and then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm that for them and even reminiscing, I'm so bad too with time. Like I just still can't believe how quickly time goes and that you have this physical measurement right in front of you with your children. And you're just being a witness to them and then suddenly you like see see them growing up and they're so much bigger or, you know, your family sees them and, and you just realise it's all just, yeah, it's going so fast and to just embrace it all. Absolutely. It's the only option. Embrace it. Hold on embrace tight. Embrace and hold on tight. Yeah. So we're really exploring wellness and wellbeing at the moment with everything that's been going on in the world and through our own experiences of parenthood. We want to explore with our guests and through our conversations this concept of well-being through parenting. And we know you're an advocate for this, you know, physical and mental health. So what does well-being look like for you and how important is it for you now that you're a mum? Yeah, well-being is something I'm very passionate about and especially in more natural probably ways. First, I appreciate options and to weigh everything up. And I think wellness and well-being is also very personal, especially with your children. And I think it's mental, I think it's physical, I think it's spiritual. So I I guess I just try, you know, my hardest to combine all of that with the girls. We focus on healthy food. We focus on hydration, pee out, alkaline water. We, we focus on, as we talked about earlier, that meditation is something in our household. You know, I also think wellness with our children is about understanding who they are as individuals and not projecting who you are onto them and and actually listening to who they are and what they need and what they want. Could not agree with that more actually. So I, I really do try to be very conscious of that. And if there's one thing that I could say that I probably would sum myself up as a mother, it is being a conscious parent, a conscious mother. I think that's so so important to embrace with the well-being conversation because being a conscious parent is everything it means you're being present and you're listening and you're you know you have your attention on what they need mentally physically spiritually emotionally what they're putting into their bodies all of that stuff I think that's probably my priority with the girls is yeah just definitely allowing them and normalizing children to be children and just letting them be who they are. I think that's a big part of wellness as well is just 
is really stepping into their headspace and recognizing that Goldie and Miller are different people <laughs> and they need different things at different times. Can I ask, Steph, how do you approach a healthy self-image with yourself and your young girls, especially living in a city like LA that is so obsessed by the way you look and body image? As my daughter Nina's getting to an age where she's sort of talking about the way that she looks and I think just got to be so cautious as a parent, the way that you respond to that and the, the words that you use and the language that you use. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. I think it's the words, it's the language, it's the dialogue we use, isn't it? It's, it's again, coming back to that consciousness of being conscious with your children of what is coming out of your mouth. Because monkey see, monkey do, in my opinion. Yeah. And Miller's definitely on her own path of discovery you know she's a very free spirit she loves to dance and and you know she's definitely now really sitting in her body a lot more than she ever has and probably recognizing yeah exactly what you're saying that they're becoming more aware of themselves but I think I can credit Pete and I to hopefully just still trying to keep it within PG and and kid friendly and and just making sure that Again, we're not bringing anything from our insecurities onto them and just I don't think I could say I love you and I say I love you and the positive affirmation to the girls 10 to 20 times a day. Like it's maybe too much. You know, their love language is going to be one day like words of appreciation because they're going to be needing to hear it because I, I say it so much to them. But like I say, Miller, I'm so proud of you. You're so amazing. You're so beautiful on the inside and outside. You know, that's a really um, important dialogue that I have with her that it's about who she is, the kindness that she represents and brings to her friendships and Little examples like she'll say, she'll see me putting makeup on maybe if I'm going out and say, Mummy, you look so beautiful with makeup on. And I'll say, oh, thanks, Angel. But you know what? I also know that, and I don't want this to come across way, but what I'm trying to teach her is I don't need makeup also to be or feel beautiful. And so you're just as beautiful, Mooj. I love that you love lip gloss and let's put it on and have fun, but you're just so beautiful with or without it. You know, you don't need any of that to feel beautiful. So I think it's just definitely... Exactly what you said, it's being really conscious of your word and your action around them so that, you know, because at the moment how they're being carved out for wellness and beauty and image comes from us at home. Yeah, absolutely. So, Steph, before we finish up today, we know how difficult it can be as a mum with young children to get much alone time. So we appreciate you doing this today so much. But... When you do get a chance to have some time to yourself, what do you do for some self-care or personal time other than talk to us on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, can we do it again? This was so good. I would do this any day of the week, girls, in my time off. I am a sucker for a massage. Yeah. Oh, yes, same. me too. Love a good massage. Oh. I... <laughs> <laughs> Listen to us, we're all like drooling over the thought of it. <sighs> drooling. I would probably choose massage even over a drink at night. Massage and, you know, that self-care facial sauna, infrared sauna, something good and yummy like that over, I mean, like I love maybe a glass on the weekend or something or something, but massage is definitely my um, my go-to. And I've actually recently really made a commitment with myself and with Pete that once a week, I'd just go and get one because... As you should. That is so good that you prioritise that. I've just started. I've yeah. just started to accept that because, of course, we all get the mum guilt and you feel like you're meant to be at home and not leave <laughs> and be with the kids 24-7 and I honour that part of it. But then, yeah, you've got to be human, don't you? And so actually the last sort of couple of months I've been making it a priority to go once a week and actually get that and have that hour to myself and do something that I actually love and feel so great and really nourishes me inside and outside and you know all the good vibes and good things that come from it. I feel like I parent better when I allow myself to have that time whether it's a massage or a facial or even going for a walk or I think I'm more present then I feel more relaxed even if it's half an hour that I've had to myself I just feel so much better. Your output is more positive, you feel better. I think there's this pressure as mums and parents, particularly mums, I dare say, because you are you know, the person that's sort of juggling it all and keeping it together and I don't mean that sort of in any disrespect to the boys and in my life Pete is so hands-on and I'm so lucky that, you know, I chose and love 
someone that is fully equal in, in raising our children and he loves being a dad and he's such a great dad. But I think I definitely know from conversations that we've had he doesn't sort of take it on emotionally like I do. And so if I don't go have that massage or do something like what you're saying, Kate, you sort of, yeah, you get a bit drenched in, you think, you know, you get the guilt, you're meant to stay home and be mama, but you won't be the mama that you want to be unless you go and, you know, have that time or do the thing that you love. So true. Well, Steph, thank you so much for being a part of our Talking in Common community and for sharing your story of you and your beautiful girls and Pete and just having this chat with us today, we've loved it. And I just want to say it's been so nice to see your face and reconnect after so long and can't wait to catch up with you when you're home in Australia soon, hopefully. I know, ditto. Thanks, girls. It's been such a beautiful time to talk and so nice to share everything and, yeah, and share motherhood and have this chat. So I'm so grateful. Thanks for asking me. It's so nice. That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes. Hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Talking In Common. Or you can check out our Facebook page, which is also Talking In Common. Have a lovely day and as always, thanks for listening.